What's up? It's Nostalgia. I'm here with Dave Martinson. I'm Pat Sheehan. We're about to hit you with your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. But Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good, Pat. What's up? I feel like every week I say we had a great week. And I think this week was really a great week because we made the new and noteworthy on iTunes for the section on film and TV. Yeah, that's right. Not any podcast does that. You actually have to gain traction. So thank you for that. And if you want to help us out and maintain that status and get us to the top of that chart, which we only can do for a limited time, it to be a new podcast. So if you want to help us out with that, give us a rating on iTunes. That would be superb. There's a link to iTunes right on our SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod, or you can just search Nostalgia in iTunes. We'll be the first result. I guarantee it. I gotta, I gotta say, if you're listening to this, thank you very much. Uh, we've had 16 ratings, 12 reviews so far, and we're, we're pulling in some pretty consistent listening numbers. So if you want to help us out, like like Dave said, give us a rating or a review on iTunes. Search Nostalgia, but also share us with a friend or a coworker or your family members. You know, passing us along will only help us grow, which will hopefully help us give you better content. We wanted to give a little bit of a shout out to those who did to give us a review so um, we're gonna read a couple of these off right here yeah and then we'll uh, get into the show and we'll read some more later on but if you want to have your review read on the show leave said review and we will do it and make it let as... us help you help us help me you know, you, you know what i mean <laughs> and make it as funny as possible uh, there we've gotten some really really creative ones so far the first one we got from dosh two 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 shout out sean dosher i'm pretty sure that this is you he, he titled his review transcendent this podcast changed my life for the better, mentally, spiritually, and physically. White hot fire flames on demand, fire emoji, fire emoji, <laughs> fire emoji, fire emoji, fire emoji. It's very uh, lit review. It's lit, it's lit. Thank you, Sean Dosher. You are truly a gentleman and a scholar, and we really appreciate that awesome review. Dave, do you have one that you want to read off? Yeah, shout out our uh, one of our other first reviews from Steve DeCorda. From Bluefish Comics, check out our... Friend of the pod. Yeah, friend of the pod. Check out the spoiler cast for Batman vs. Superman I did with him. It's on our page, soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod. Steve said, new and noteworthy. See, he knew it was up. One of the best pop culture pods around, great word exclamation point. Thank you, Steve. And your pod as well is really good. Check him out if you like Bluefish cool stuff. So we're going to read some more later, but again... Pass us along to a friend, give us a rating or a review on iTunes. You guys are the best. Let's get into it. So, we've had a lot going on this week. We're going to talk some Walking Dead. I think that's the, the hot topic right now for most people. Yep. We're also going to talk a little bit about The Jungle Book, which has been getting some, some great reviews coming out two weeks. So, we're going to talk about that, but we're going to start with some music. So, there's been a lot of new music released recently and a lot of really noteworthy. Um, there's some been some, some new EDM releases. Kygo released a new song called Raging. Uh, the Chainsmokers released a new single, but I think I want to talk about a band that hasn't released an album in seven or actually eight years now. It's 2016. The Last Shadow Puppets. So Last Shadow Puppets are composed of Alex Turner of the Arctic Monkeys, lead singer, uh-huh. and Miles Kane of the Rascals. 
their uh, their first album, released in 2008, The Age of Understatement, had some pretty good reviews. I mean, they were 22 at the time. Arctic Monkeys were just starting to get I would say it was just pre-Arctic Monkeys. It makes sense that they had the hiatus. Yeah, it was actually when the Arctic Monkeys were first starting up. I think they'd, they had released one, maybe two albums by that time. So this was a side project and kind of Alex Turner, a way for him to have a creative outlet outside Arctic Monkeys, which they're a great rock band, but that's what they are. They're a rock band. They don't, they don't really skew outside of there and this album everything you've come to expect it's a great album it's beautiful i think one of the biggest things that the shadow puppets do differently from the arctic monkeys and there's a lot of arctic monkey sound in this is that they use strings in a very unique and interesting way to create a totally different feel than an arctic monkey album so it starts off with this song called aviation and it kind of sounds like someone like dragging a key against a string of a piano with like this great yeah, it, like, exactly, like a grating kind of chilling sound, and then it jumps into this beautiful guitar riff. And they, they ha- I mean, the whole, like, the first five songs, they, they run together beautifully. Uh, the strings really give it a great added dimension, and I think, more than anything, Alex Turner's songwriting in this is more lighthearted and more unique than it is in his most recent Ar- Arctic Monkey albums. Uh, I mean, he's always had amazing songwriting, but in this album, everything you've come to expect it really uh, goes to a really cool and lighthearted place. Do you listen to Arct- Arctic Monkeys at all? Uh, I've listened to, I know the, their popular songs, I know the sound of them. Uh, I know they, they have a lot of music, so I'm not really well-versed, but I know they're you know premier top rock band that it's actually active and right. relatively new. That's I think good. if you were going to like any song off this album, then you'd probably like Bad Habits. Yeah, it's yeah. the most like an Arctic Monkeys song. I think also, listening to this album, anyone that likes The Killers will definitely likes Brandon Flowers, their lead singer, who's released two albums, and I've heard a, I heard a lot of Desired Effect, which is his most recent album from last year. Probably one of my favorite albums from last year, so definitely go check that out if you haven't listened to it. Um, I hear a lot of that same sound in there, and it really made me think about how a lot of the artists nowadays, especially rock artists, are heavily influenced by the 80s. Mm. Which yeah, is, the 80s are big everywhere. Yeah, movies too. Which, which is really interesting, and I hear a lot of 80s sound in both these, these records in a lot of different ways. But in a really good way, not in the uh, crappy '80s like synth pop way. More in the mm. like I think about like the Chili Peppers, or the way that like other rock bands like maybe The Cure were able to use that kind of sound in a more effective and interesting way. I see. Dave, what are you listening to? Yeah, I've listened to a bunch of new projects lately. You mentioned EDM before. Bauer released his debut album mm-hmm. AA towards the end of March. And Bauer, you might not know the name, but he's the guy who made the Harlem Shake song that was obviously huge. And he's never actually released a full length until now. He's had better songs than Harlem Shake since then. But that's a cool project to check out if you like trap music. Bauer. There's a song with Pusha T on there. Uh, There's a cool song called Temple with M.I.A. and G-Dragon. A song called Go-Go. So there's there's some uh, cool stuff there. I think Bauer, he's just one of the best artists in the trap lane for EDM music. And he's very much delivered with this project. Harlem Shake, Harlem Shake was a sensation. Yeah, absolutely. Like a, uh, all the videos, sensation. obviously, everyone remembers those. But I mean, he's got he's had a lot of a lot of good songs since then, like uh, Roll Up, songs with Flosher Damas, Major Lazer. So there, he's he's been all over really, and just doing a lot of producing. So I'm happy that he finally got you know a release out, and it was a good window because there was really no other DJs releasing anything at the time. So he's mm-hmm. got a lot of attention for that. I also listened to recently. Another debut album from Flatbush Zombies, which is a hmm. trio of rappers from New York City, from Flatbush, obviously. Right. And their debut album is called 3001 A Laced Odyssey. Hmm. So you get the plan yeah. words, the title, right. obviously. 
And the cover is really cool. It's really like comic book based cover. But Flatbush Zombies, if you ever seen my Twitter, you'll see in my location, I've listed Beast Coast as the location yep. for a very long time. And they're actually one of the Beast Coast movement artists, which is just uh, bring new independent artists bringing back the East Coast vibe and bring, bring back New York. Right. Uh, Joy Bass, Pro Era, mm-hmm. Underachievers. A lot of artists really repping that. But Flatbush Zombies are really cool because they've only released two mixtapes up until now, uh, Drugs and Better Off Dead from 2013, which I still think is their best project. 2001 A Laced Odyssey, it's really good, but I think it's just them doing what they've always done. They haven't, they didn't uh, take as many risks, I don't think, with this project. But Hmm. if you've never listened to them, I really would recommend you check them out just because it's a trio of guys and the sound is really, really unique and the lyrics are really there. So if you like something that's not just the popular trap music from like future and stuff that's all hooks and no substance if you don't like that then you should check out an artist like this where would you suggest that someone trying to get into the flash flat bush zombies should start yeah well the drugs the drugs tape is okay the debut Mm -hmm. you can definitely if you definitely usually what i do when i'm looking into a rapper's catalog that i haven't listened to before i usually just go to youtube and find their popular songs just to get a feel for what what songs are mixtape lasted and for them it's songs uh thug waffle gold thug waffle. yeah and uh, thug waffle is funny because they make fun of uh bath salts because it came out back when that right. was like a thing so these guys are definitely heavy into drugs oh yeah definitely awesome. they actually came onto the scene because they were featured on asap a song on asap rocky's debut mixtape called hmm. bath salt so oh, yeah, definitely go. but ch- check out some of their their bigger songs better off dead's a really good mixtape front to cover and off the new project mm-hmm. the song bounce is really good to listen to and also it's not on the album, but it came out a month before. It's called Glorious Thugs, and it's an awesome freestyle over Notorious Thugs by Biggie Smalls, right. the great song, and they, they do the flows perfectly. It's awesome. So if you like lyrical hip-hop that's unique and something you haven't heard before, definitely check them out. They're on Spotify. Awesome. Uh, so do you have any other artists you want to touch on before we head into a little Jungle Book talk? Uh, yeah, I also listened to, I actually just listened to uh, the most recent project today, Azealia Banks. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. New mixtape called Slazy. It's only eight tracks. The cover, by the way, NSFW. Check that I out. I heard that you, I do uh, on risk. Yeah. I yeah. heard that you learned that from experience. Yeah, I was, I, uh, <laughs> was listening to music at work, and that album cover uh, was on my computer at work. So Lucky. check that out if you're interested. Luckily, your boss didn't walk by. Correct. But Azealia Banks is really cool because if you're not familiar, she's uh, like hip house. She raps, but really like 90s house influence with her uh, production selections. Interesting. And she can spit. She can rap her ass off. It's awesome. And the problem with Azealia Banks is she kind of gets in her own way. She's currently beefing with Sarah Palin. Uh, You might have seen that. I did not see that. Why why are they beefing? Well, the problem with her is she has no filter and she says a lot of inflammatory stuff that I don't support or agree with. But she also... Got a lot of attention for kind of being at the forefront of calling out Iggy Azalea for the cultural appropriation. Because right. Azalea Banks is a black rapper with a name like Azalea, and she was calling out Iggy Azalea for being a white white rapper. person, stealing the name, right. and rapping like a southern woman. And she's just like, what the hell? You're just stealing everything that like I had to actually do, and you're just trying to pretend. And the Iggy cultural appropriation thing's a topic for another day. But Azalea Banks, apart from her comments, the music's dope. Check her out, because it, speaking of unique hip-hop, she's definitely that. The best song, I think, off Slazy mixtape is the Big Big Beat, and also Big Talk with Rick, Rick Ross. Ricky Rosé. All right, so definitely check those out. And we'll oh, shout out Drizzy Drake. 
Yes, Kanye and, and the throne. Yes, they're back, featuring the throne. That's that's a good thing to hear. Isn't yeah, it? it is. And you know, AFC from Barstool said it on his podcast. I wonder if Kanye has to be told by Drake, like, okay, we're we're doing like a normal rap song because Kanye's albums are so artistic and just out yeah. there. But it's fire. I mean, we I listened to maybe thirty seconds of it and. It's fire. So definitely, <laughs> definitely check all of this music out. We'll try to make this a little bit more of a, a running segment because I think it's important, yeah. especially as the summer winds on, that we're touching on all the good music coming out. Let us know what music you're listening to. Yes, and tweet us your listens at NowStyleJapod on Twitter. Give us a while. Tell us what you're listening to. Absolutely. The Jungle Book. Yes. April 15th. It returns. The book by Rudyard Kipling. The Bare Necessities. The guy who wrote The White Man's Burden. A really racist dude. <laughs> Anyways, we're not going to touch on that. That's for another podcast. <laughs> not ours. John Favreau. Yes. Favreau. Favreau. How do you... Favreau. Favreau. John Favreau. He is directing this live-action version of The Jungle Book. Yes. The very the, the, From the 1967 animated movie. Correct. Yeah, it comes out next Friday, April 15th. And the trailer's been out for a while. And it's live action, obviously, mm-hmm. effects for the animals. Right. And my question to you, Pat, do you think this movie's going to be good? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, right now, I mean, we're going to get into this a little bit, too. Rotten Tomatoes has it at 100%, and Metacritic has it at 76 So, I, I have high expectations for this, but I mean, it's The Jungle Book, first of all. Beloved. It's a good story. Yeah, great story. Beloved movie, great songs. And the cast is stacked. The cast is so stacked. I mean, the, the I tweeted lead. about this months ago when I first when they they made, publicized all this stuff. Actually, it's probably like a year ago, and I, I just like totally nerded out on this. And you know, everyone forgets until the movie actually comes out. And right. here we are. So t- tell us who's in it. So Neil Sethai is playing Mowgli, and no one knows that is it's a is a child actor. Uh, yeah, Sher Khan, Sher Khan, Sher Khan. Khan. Sorry, the being played by Idris Elba. Right, Idris, which is the goat. Pretty ridiculous to start off with. And then we have Bill Murray pay- playing Baloo, right. which is just amazing. Ben Kingsley as Bagheera. Yeah, the, the panther. Yep, and then we have Lapita Nyong'o, Christopher Walken, Gary Shandling. Is there anyone I'm forgetting? Uh, yeah, Ka, the snake, is voiced by Scarlett Johansson. Oh, right. And Scar- Walken is doing King Louie, the orangutan. Right. And Giancarlo Esposito, Gus Fring for Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. the villain. He's playing Aquila, the wolf, the lead wolf guy. And Favreau so all also... The, all, the, um, all the you know main characters of the story are played by A-list actors. Right, and Favreau is also playing... In it, uh, right. Uh, is voicing a, a character in it. Yeah, R.I.P. Gary Shandling, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that this is the last project he's Pretty in, sure. but yeah. I haven't verified that, I guess. Uh, I mean, it's a stacked cast. I think I think the choices and, and the roles that they're playing make a lot of sense. I'm really excited to see B- Bill Murray as Baloo. I think he's going to kill that. Yeah. I mean, Christopher Walken, too, always good. And yeah. His voice is just... It's it's fine. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Christopher Walken's voice. I'm not he's been really selective with his roles the past few years to good effect. Right. You know, he's, he's not as active anymore because he's older, but... You know, he brings it still. He's a smart Bill, guy. Bill Murray, I'd say for as well. Bill Murray, you know, Robert De Niro as, is a guy who's just been patting the catalog. Oh, a check. absolutely. But Murray and Walken have not. Keep getting them checks. Right. But yeah, the initial reviews say that the the, the vocal performances are amazing, obviously. That's great. The visual effects I hear are fantastic. See, That's what th- all That was my main concern, is because it's so effect heavy. All these animals absolutely. are completely CGI and obviously Mowgli is being played by this young child actor, a real person. Right. When you're making movies on sound stages, they can go bad. Oh, We've absolutely. seen that a ton. So that was my main concern. It's just that it would just, 
you just be taken out of the out of the movie because you just could see that it was fake. Well, right, and it's not necessarily that easy to replicate. You know, being in a jungle and going through all the like yeah. adventure like they are. So the the effects had to be spot on. And it seems like they are, at least from initial reviews. And also the the faithfulness to the original story is what pe- what it's getting praised for, which is good to hear too. Because I think when you see a live action ad- adaptation, you always worry about how are they going to change right. it. What what's going to have to be different because it's it's live. It's not a comic. Right. Well, this is they're calling it a remake. They're right. not they're not shying away from that. So I, I'm glad to hear that that they're they're keeping it pretty much the same. Yeah, I think it's also interesting that this is coming out now, and then Jungle Book Origins is coming out in two years. Yeah, so Jungle Book Origins was coming out October 6, twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. Until today, the day of recording, it was pushed back about a year to twenty eighteen October. Yeah, it's going to be directed by Andy Serkis. Why did it get pushed back, Dave? Push it back alongside they move some dates around. Uh, Warner's making it, so Warner obviously mm-hmm. the DC. We talked. Ad nauseum about Batman vs Superman in the past few weeks. Right, if you missed that out. Check it out. SoundCloud.com slash nostalgia pod. But by moving the Jungle Book back, it's giving them more time to make it and also make room for more DC movies. So that's where this, the slate, the spot got taken. But Andy Serkis, the director, and if you don't know Andy Serkis by name, you definitely know him by his craft. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he was Gollum yep. in Lord of the Rings. He's also Caesar in the New Planet of the Apes movies. The king of motion capture. Yeah, I mean, he, he really is the, the goat of motion capture. And it's actually interesting, if you go to the, if you if you look up anything about Jungle Book Origins, originally, Inaritu was supposed to direct it. Really? And he wow. had conflicts with The Revenant and with Birdman. So he had to drop out, and then yeah, Ron they, Howard they, this was... This one's been in development for a while. Right, and then Ron Howard was uh, linked to it, and that didn't work out, so Circus actually took it over. Right, because Circus is also playing Baloo, obviously, right. and... Let's get to the cast as well. Christian Bale is Bagheera. Mm-hmm. Benedict Cumberbatch is Shere Khan. Kate Blanchett is Ka. And then in other unspecified roles, we have Matthew Rees from The Americans, Freda Pinto, Jack Rayner. Jack Rayner, we guy we don't want to play Han Solo, <laughs> Naomi Harris, Tom Hollander. So good cast as well. And I'm sure a lot of people, we don't know their role yet because the movie's farther away. But Andy Serkis actually today posted comment regarding the fact that the movie's pushed back a year. And he said, quote, I've got to say that I'm pers- that personally, I'm absolutely thrilled that Warner Brothers have changed the delivery date of our movie. The ambition for this project is huge. What we are attempting is an unprecedented level of psychological and emotional nuance in morphing the phenomenal performances of our cast into the facial expressions of our animals. We are breaking new ground with realistic, non-humanoid animal faces, such as a panther or wolf, ensuring that they convincingly communicate with human language and emotion via performance capture and are able to stand up to real scrutiny in richly complex, dramatic scenes. So every minute more that we have to evolve the technological pipeline will make all the difference. The evidence is there already, and it's off the chain. Exciting. So hang on in there. This is truly next-generation storytelling, and it will be the real deal. So I'm hyped that wow. this movie is coming out, and Circus is so involved, and the technology is driving the movie. That is quite a statement. Yeah. I mean, a lot of big words in there, so I, I kind of... Uh, zoned out halfway through but pretty much pretty much what he's saying is that this is some revolutionary te- like uh storytelling w- with these effects and right. you should you should be excited about it i mean yeah. i think if uh, anyone that's seen lord of the rings or planet of the apes knows that this guy knows what he's doing and he's gonna do it well yeah. so i think him being the lead for this is right huge and also now that's pushed back to 2018 plenty of time in between 
the Jungle Book coming out next week and this one. Absolutely. Because yeah. you remember um, Olympus Has Fallen and White House Down <laughs> came out so like literally a month apart. I don't think anyone knows the difference between those two movies. Yeah, I, Olympus Has Fallen with Gerard Butler was, was okay. White House Down with Janning Tatum and Jenny Fox, not too good. I thought that movie was great. So take take that for what it's worth. It's very entertaining to catch on like cable in the end. London has fallen came out I think last month. I have no idea what happened to it. I will not see London has fallen. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I think that this actually leads into a, a good discussion about Rotten Tomato scores. Yeah, because right now the Jungle Book's at one hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It won't stay there. There's no way it's going to stay there. But we talked a little bit it's, about it's, it's only the advanced reviews. I'm sure it's not that many. We talked a little bit last week about. How Batman vs. Superman dropped, I think it was something like 70 or 60 points from the initial rating to where it was when we recorded. Yeah. And it's, it stayed pretty steady around 29%. I think it's at 25 maybe. Is that low now? It was at 29.30. So it, it, it drops It's not that bad of a movie. It's not. It's not. We, but, we talked about it a lot. Right. There's no way it's that bad. It's not that bad. But I think that you wanted to get into a conversation a little bit about how these scores, how these aggregate scores are a little bit misleading. Yeah, absolutely. So Rotten Tomatoes specifically for movies, and then Metacritic, which does movies, does video games, does a lot of stuff. Uh, Metacritic also has the critic score and a user score. Mm -hmm. And then IMDB is strictly user score. But Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic specifically, like you said, they're aggregates. So what's that mean? Basically, they're collecting every review of Batman vs. Superman, for example, that was ever published by anyone remotely credible, any Mm -hmm. real outlet. And they're all added together, and they're all combined to make a percentage of a favorable review versus a unfavorable review, rotten or fresh in that instance. And the problem with that is that certain reviews don't assign a score, which I think is the best way to review something, Mm -hmm. because if we don't have a score or number at the bottom of the page, People actually will read the details of what someone's opinion is and not just boil it down to a 1 out of 10 scale or a you know 0 to 100 scale. But more importantly, if website X gives the movie a 6 and website Y gives the movie a 7, those websites might have very different opinions of what a 6 is right. to them versus 6 is to the other <clears throat> website. But an aggregate collector like Rotten Tomatoes or Metacritic doesn't differentiate that, just combines them and averages them together. And just really misleading to go off strictly that kind of scale. And I know everyone was talking about Rotten Tomatoes. And I mean, if you let that influence your desire to see a movie, an aggregate score, I think it's a bad idea. You want to read a review that's really detailed and make your opinion off that? Totally different. But you're just literally taking, trying to average out a bunch of different people's opinions that are all basing these opinions off different scales of criticism. And I just think it's a slippery slope. No, absolutely. I, I think more than anything, that kind of gets into the discussion about how people choose to go see things mm-hmm. nowadays. Uh, I think that you're you're definitely correct that that these scores can be misleading. And I, I mean, I'm looking here at Batman versus Superman. It has a 29 percent on Rotten Tomatoes currently and a 70 percent from user ratings. Yeah. So it's it, got a cinema score of a B, which right. isn't that great in terms of cinema scores, but. It's not thirty percent exactly. And there's also the problem too, where you ever read comments on like a video game, for example, and mm-hmm. they give it a six. And I think to IGN, for example, you know, like the CNN of video games, a six is okay. That's literally what right. it means. That's not good. It's not amazing. It's literally six okay. Mm-hmm. But we're all taught in America that anything under sixty-five is bad. Right. It's not twenty. Is not 
a lot worse than a 50, they're all failures, right? Mm-hmm. So whenever anyone sees a scale that's below a 6, they immediately think it's bad. Where a movie like Batman vs. Superman got a lot of 6s, a lot of 5s, but usually those are considered less favorable reviews. So next thing you know, we're at a 30% approval rating. Right. And, I mean, it, I can definitely understand people needing to have something that right. tells them, should I go see this movie or not? Movies talking. are expensive. Yeah. I mean, it, we, we talked about it with, uh, you know, Sean Parker's the screening, uh, venture, room. the screening Room, and how if it's not really a feasible idea for right. one person, but if you're having a bunch of friends over, yeah, five bucks is a lot cheaper than going to the movies and spending $10 to get in. If you want to water, it's another $5. Mm-hmm. You can be at home and be comfortable with that. So if you're going to go spend the money, you want to know if you're going to get your money's worth. So I absolutely understand that. However, I think one of the things that needs to be taken back is the idea that if you want to see something, go see it. Don't okay. don't just don't listen to reviews and say, "Oh, this it's terrible. I'm not going to go see it." If Jungle Book gets has like a 65% Rotten Tomatoes, that's barely passing for a fresh score. Yeah. People can say, oh, it's a 65%, like you said, and say, oh, this has to, this movie can't be that good. It's not worth going to see. It's absolutely worth going to see. If you like The Jungle Book... If you're intrigued and, by this premise, that's, go all, see that's it. all it takes. And, and especially with, with initial reviews saying it's going to be visually amazing, it's definitely worth seeing In just if you enjoy movies, if you enjoy the original Jungle Book, if you enjoy Bill Murray, go see this movie. Yeah. And eat yourself. Read. Shout out Stringer Bell. Yeah, I mean, one last point on that, just hammers back, because it's happened a lot with Batman for Superman. If you like something that no one else likes, that is totally okay. Yes. As long as you liking something does not negatively impact other people, it's totally fine. If you don't like something and other people do, you don't have to be a dick about it. Just let someone have their own opinions. And being that's the thing. The problem with the internet now is because we see everyone's opinions right. all the time. Just don't let yourself get offended if someone disagrees with you. It's quite okay. It's internet culture, and I feel like we could spend another like three podcasts dissecting it. So why don't we move on to something that you like that I don't necessarily like? So I've chosen not to watch it. Interesting, but I think it's important to talk about because they had a pretty eventful season finale. And the Walking is, Dead. Yes, Walking Dead. AMC's flagship show, of course, since Breaking Bad's over. Ratings juggernaut that it is. is season six oh, yeah. just ended. So season six ended, and like I said, I don't, well, I don't keep up with the show. I think I mentioned this in an earlier podcast. Yeah. We talked about uh, some of the best shows on TV, and I was very much a proponent of Walking Dead being a good show at the moment. And I think if what you, if I remember your review correctly, you said that The Walking Dead has become a much richer show because the characters are becoming much richer. Yeah. Would you Stand say that, that, that this season finale did season six justice? Uh, that's a loaded question. So I guess we have to jump into that, Pat. Kind of set me up there. <laughs> okay, so why, why don't we break it down a little bit? I guess, I guess we'll start at the end because I think the end is what everybody's yeah, talking there about. You go. So Negan. Yes. The new supervillain, quote unquote. Yeah. In the in this world of zombies and horror and sadness and no fun to watch, in my opinion. So I did watch his speech scene, and he's pretty it's badass. The last ten minutes of the finale. The finale episode was an hour and a half. It was an extended one, the sixteenth mm-hmm. episode of the season. Negan, played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Mm-hmm. Great casting. You might have just seen him play Thomas Wayne, the beginning of Batman vs. Yep. Superman. Yep. But more importantly, he was the comedian watchman where he destroyed... He was on Grey's Anatomy. He's a good actor. You might recognize him. On that. He's, he's, he's all actor. over the place. So I watched, I watched his speech. Yeah. And he was awesome. Yeah. And he's really exciting. And then I get to the end, and I don't know what the hell happened. It was a cliffhanger. Cliffhanger would happen, Pat. Cliffhanger. So we don't have an answer, and we won't have an answer until October. 
so I don't watch The Walking Dead, so I don't have much of an emotional reaction right. to this. I, I guess I was kind of annoyed because I wanted to know who he was hitting. But if if I was invested in this show and I've been watching for six seasons and then this comes out and I have all these characters I love or I'm supposed to be emotionally connected to at least, and then one of them gets killed and I have no idea who it is, I'd be pretty furious about this. We left a sour taste in my mouth just because this season of The Walking Dead, season six, specifically the second half, because they do, you know, eight, right. eight, se- eight, eight half seasons, right, which I, they do pretty well. This second half of season six I thought was really, really well. The quicking pace was done well. The plot actually moved forward, and it gave people really reason to stay invested because we felt like we were seeing things that mattered happen again. And like we said before, the characters have gotten really strong. problem is... And I'm not to say that Walking Dead is flawless. Flawless TV, watch uh, Mr. Robot and Fargo. We've talked about yes. them before. But this has been a very good season of Walking Dead. But when you end a season on a cliffhanger after a great final ten minutes from Jeffrey D. Morgan's Negan, mm-hmm. you're changing the water cooler discussion, the discussion for the whole summer until October rolls around of, oh my god, person X died. Now it's what the fuck who died right as and we're just totally not talking about Negan because we're just mad about this cliffhanger ending and spoilers the way it goes down is it shows like a first person yep. POV shot of Negan bashing a character's brains in with his barbed wire bat which is right out of the comics but we don't know who the character is because the first person view I was actually gonna touch on the first person because I thought that was an interesting choice and yeah. it would have been interesting if. If you saw it happen, then they, you know, they somehow zoomed out, or they Something. showed like another shot where you saw who died. I thought that would actually be a pretty interesting choice. You see two swings, and then you mostly hear what's going on. Yeah, and he's. I mean, it's pretty brutal, yeah. and I think that's very in tow with what The Walking Dead is at this point. Yeah, I don't think we would have seen, literally seen him bash someone's no. brains in, but we would have known who it was. Right. Yeah, if that's any, what we wanted. If anything, you would have heard the sounds and maybe seen like reactions or people becoming very upset. I don't know. I guess it, it, I don't know if a cliffhanger really made sense. Like you said, the water cooler talk is already going to be, holy crap. Neat, this Negan guy is insane. Yeah. He bashed this person's brains in. Yeah. They're all captured. What do they do now? Yeah, what's next? Well, how are they going to get out of this? Right. And now it's, okay, so Negan killed who? And how right. does that impact what? Right. And there's there's more problems with that, too, because, A, a lot of people think that they're not going to kill a major character. There was a mm-hmm. lot of characters captured. They could kill, they could kill Rick if they wanted to. They could kill the most main people possible. They could kill someone who's relatively Rick. minor. Definitely I don't think it was Rick either, but... There's a whole whole scale, and if they do someone that no one was really kill someone who no one was really emotionally invested in, it's a problem. Especially when you didn't just show it to us outright. Also, I think this is even a more egregious offense: is they got really obsessed with the fake out this season. They did it with Glenn, I heard that. where they seemingly showed Glenn get eaten, but it turned out we were watching the, the other guy on top of him getting eaten. And he was eaten. underneath a dumpster. And right? girls under dumpster, which was okay, but they did a fake out, and when you do something that's not so obviously a death in media. We know we cannot trust it until right. we make sure the guy is dead, right? And then last episode, Daryl gets captured, and what happens? He looks over his shoulder, William gets captured, gun goes off, and there's a blood, fake blood splatter on the screen. And we're like, okay, we know for sure you're not going to kill Daryl, a very popular character, with a really cheap death like that. Right. So why would you do this kind of dumb fake-out? Mm-hmm. Especially after the Glenn fake-out did not go over well. And now you're going to do another cliffhanger. If you could, you, you could have killed Glenn here. I would have been totally fine with them killing Glenn in this finale. 
but they need to show it. And if they show Glenn dead in October, I'm going to be really annoyed. It, it almost sounds as if the Walking Dead creators, writers, showrunner, whoever is really involved in these decisions, like Scott they're Gimple. almost yeah, they're like they're, they're tone deaf, tone deaf in a way. I'm afraid they don't know who they want to kill yet, which would be more scary. Hmm. That that would be really interesting if they're. They're deciding someone's going to die and not knowing which way the story's going to go. Right. Well, the thing is, this event is right out of the comics, and it was issue 100 for the Walking Dead comic. And when you get to the centennial issue in comics, it's supposed to give you a reason to keep reading the series, right? right. That's just how comics sure. go. And in this instance, it brought Negan to the fold, killed a major love character in Glenn, and made the show's scope so much bigger with all these civilizations and so many more people involved. We're just mm-hmm. following this small group uh, led by Rick that we've known for so long. And the show is doing that, but the problem is we got robbed of that moment where we're supposed to know the true stakes and of, of who really died. And I'm just disappointed because there's a lot of other cool stuff we should be talking about as opposed to just dumb cliffhanger. Right, and to kind of just build off like the idea that they they are, seem to be tone deaf is the fact that people are going to talk about this show regardless. Yeah. They don't need to have a cliffhanger like this to drive yeah. conversation between the end of the season and the beginning of the next no, in the fall. And I think it, when I heard about it, the first thing I thought about was Game of Thrones. And what if they had ended last season with like a first-person point of view of Jon Snow and and you, you don't know if he actually gets stabbed or if he ends up killing other people. Oh, and, and you're just like... A vague... Oh, yeah, man. like a, a vague Jon Snow killing... I would have... It would have left a really sour. If there was anything, any death that was vague in Game of Thrones, that'd be bad. Except they did it. Yeah, they they did it with freaking Stannis. Yes, (laughs) it comes full circle. But uh, I I think with it being like the very last scene of last season, yeah, it would have left a really sour taste in a lot of people's mouth. Especially because Jon Snow is such a beloved character, and something like that would have been really, really hard to sit with. I liked that they showed that Jon Snow was dead, and they showed he's been laying on the ground with blood pouring out of his skull. And the conversations, anyway, is is he really dead? Yeah. Not, <laughs> it's not, you know, oh, who did they did kill? He get, did he, did he survive? Yeah. No, he's dead, but is he really dead is, is the conversation. Back? Spoiler alert, the answer is totally yes, yes and we'll talk about Game of Thrones very shortly. In a megapod, hopefully. Anyways, moving on. I don't I don't think that they needed to do this kind of thing, and it just seems really tone, tone deaf, and it makes me really worried for this show that seemed to be having a resurgence. Yeah, in a I way. know, exactly. And especially with someone as... as Intriguing of a character as Negan. Yeah. It just, they, they, they're making it seem like he's going to be around for the long, like the long haul. Right. Morgan's, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, he's main cast for next season. Negan's pulling the strings. We have all these other civilizations that we've come to see. We just got introduced to a third group in the finale as well. Those guys in the armor on the horses. And right. Like, it's getting bigger, and Negan's the, the reason for this. But you sour that moment with this cliffhanger, unfortunately. Can they get it back in October? They probably can. We're going to know who they killed, and if they execute well, they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But it's just unfortunate, really bad misstep. And like you said, it's pretty tone-deaf considering people were not a fan of the Glenn fake-out. Right. Overall, how would you say that, that this season was? I would still give it a high rating just because I like where it went. Can you uh, explain that to me? Since I don't watch the show. Yeah, just because the plot, the plot moved. Not not every character. Some characters are at the side, but a lot of characters really grew. Like minor characters like Eugene and Gabriel. Gabriel was the priest, mm-hmm. and now he's a badass. It's awesome. He's just walking around in his priest getup with a sniper rifle. And he's like, do you trust me with the defense of Alexandria? And Rick's like, fuck yes. You. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, I used to hate your guts in this show two seasons ago. You were such a pussy and now he's awesome it is a bunch of characters and 
the plot the plot's been cool the plot's been fun there's been it hasn't been prodding and a lot like we said uh, a few weeks ago a lot of people left the show in seasons three and four because right. the show was just really slow wasn't really going anywhere and the character was less likable mm-hmm. a lot of those characters aren't around anymore and they're focused and they're telling I think they're telling good stories yeah it's, it's interesting to hear you say that that they're focused because it sounds like it's moving in a bunch of different directions mm-hmm. I know Carol is kind of off on her yeah. own right now with yeah. Morgan is Ca- yeah right? Carol and Morgan aren't right. captured they're off on their own Carol's I don't want to get too too deep into it, but there's a lot, a lot a lot of good threads going on, and like I said before, the show's gotten much larger in scope for the very first time. Right. Uh, I think it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see what the response is when they, when we do find out who dies and mm-hmm. how and if they do it justice. Yeah, if they kill a really minor character like Aaron or even someone who hasn't been around long enough, like Sasha or Abraham or Rosita or Eugene. That would be good because they set up they set up Eugene to be the one because he had like a little heart to heart with Abraham. Um, that'd be bad. Aaron, who's been on the sidelines all season, and now they brought him out with this way too obvious. If you kill him, who was really minor, that'd be bad. Also, he's a gay character. The whole barrier gaze thing has been getting really uh, a lot of new attention lately from the what happened with the hundred show on CW. So that'd be bad. But in general, he's way too minor. Don't kill him. Well, it'll be interesting to see how they handle it hopefully they do it well is there anything else you want to see on this before we wrap up tweet at me who you think died um i'm intrigued you can make a case for anyone yeah tweet at, at there's like nostalgia. a dozen there's a dozen yeah there's a, there's a dozen people there so so yeah tweet at at nostalgia pod give us your thoughts on the walking dead or music or the jungle book if you see it or yeah. rotten tomatoes if you're if you really ride for rotten tomatoes tell yeah. us why we're, we're wrong for bashing them we're not wrong but T- tell me which jungle book cast you like more I like I like the one coming out this week more. Yeah, I, I, I think it's deeper. It is deeper. I, I mean, Bill Murray. Uh, first of all, I, I know I keep saying him. He really stands out. But Ben Kingsley also is, a, I think, a great choice for back here. I mean, he's like, been consistent for like thirty years. Yeah, it's Ben Kingsley. It's 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 Gandhi. Yeah, I mean, how right. how could he be a bad? He's cast? been doing a lot of good sporting roles lately. Who do you think is a, a better cast? I I think this one as well, just because we can clearly see all the A-listers there. But uh, Christian Bale yes. as Bagheera, I think, is really cool. He stood out to me. Uh, Andy, it, it, but I think it's more about Andy Serkis being, yeah. you know, the leader. Cumberbatch, though, is Shere Khan. I love Cumberbatch's smog in The Hobbit. He was a good mm-hmm. voice actor there. So that'd be cool. And he's going to be Doctor Strange, right? Yep, they just finished filming that. So he's got he's got a lot of stuff coming up. Yeah, so he's, he'll, he's pretty dope. He'll be Watch The Imitation Game. Yes. That was a good movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, so we wanted to wrap up just giving another shout-out to our fans here. So I'm going to read one more review that we got. This one is very personal to me. So this, this is from my junior year roommate, Ryan Donahue. Shout-out to the Rhode Island boy, Trudy. The title for this is, oh, and he writes, Finally, a podcast that covers the things most important to me. Kanye West, video games, Marvel, and Pat Sheehan. (laughs) Shout out to you, Ryan Donahue, because we love Kanye West here, and we also love Pat Sheehan here. That we do. How many times have we talked about Kanye? We, I think it's been every show since the second show. In, at least in some aspects. Yes, yeah, so he's been mentioned. In he's that. just that relevant. He I is. Mean, we do what's given to us, guys. The, the guy, <laughs> the guy is on fire recently. So especially if what was it? Graphic, whatever. Turbo graphics. Turbo 16. Graph sixteen. When that comes out, we'll be talking about that again. Yeah. Good fucking luck. <laughs> and then one final review from 
I definitely know this is my friend Nick Kompraski, but his name is Mantis Toboggan, MD. What up, Nick Kompraski? Yeah, if you're uh, familiar with it, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, you'll get that reference. <laughs> this podcast goes into great depth with fresh opinions that will make you think and laugh, A-plus work, and a must-listen. Tell everyone you know that, and yes. then we'll be huge. Guys, please, please, please share us. We really want to keep growing, and we want you to be part of it. Come with us on this journey. Follow us at, at NowStalgiaPod on Twitter. Follow us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash NowStalgiaPod. Dave, where can they find you? Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Martin Swagger, M-A-R-T-A-N-S-W-A-G-R. Follow me at Sheeny World Peace, S-H-E-E-N-Y-W-R-L-D-P-E-A-C-E. Shout out Meta World Peace. And I think that's it for this week. So we'll see you on the flip side. And this year's been a long round, so I gotta go. It's logic. The one nobody would vouch for. How's that shit for an outro? Yeah.